Yeah, now we're recording. If you're going to give All me a right. plug, at least make sure you know people can hear it. <laughs> so, guys, you know, we've been going through this book, um, Best Hour of Your Day, um, of their day. And this is a book that Kim, I recommended to Kim after reading it. Kim and I listened to the podcast. I'm also part of the mentor group. Uh, Laron, I know since we've been in shelter in place, I put you onto it and you said you wanted to listen to all of the podcasts starting from one all the way through. I don't know where you are. You, you could not have done that. Even no, if we started in March. There's a long way to go. Good. Okay. So we've been going through this and um, we're at the end. And as I shared with you at the beginning, um, Jason was so gracious to join us um, to be able to ask him questions about his book. We've been going through some of the things that Jason spoke about, really trying to understand how this actually is applicable to us in a box. And then recently, as we've all experienced um, a level of turmoil to some degree within our lives as it relates to CrossFit as well. So um, this also gives us an opportunity to really tie some of these lessons to us as coaches and also to really get Jason's input being that he has experience, he's really tapped in, into the CrossFit ecosystem. And as I shared with you on Instagram, feel free to use this as an opportunity to ask him any question because it'll be really helpful to really understand um, where we are, what role we play in this in a larger scope um, in CrossFit. So with that said, Jason, thank you for coming. Um, well, and can I say, first of all, thank you for having me, Chris. It's oh, thank you. when you were saying that, like, it, it's very surreal to me still that people are reading a book I wrote <laughs> and actually not just, you know, you write a book and you're like, someone will read this and you don't really ever get to interact with them or talk to them. So the fact that four people, even if I wrote the book and you were the only four that read it, but they, that you cared enough to like talk about it, it's like really uh humbling for me so thank you guys like it really as you were saying that i'm like realizing how important it is for me so so i really appreciate you guys doing that yeah thank you thank you for writing it thank you i think i was talking to somebody on the recent podcast you probably haven't it was only today i think is it liran yeah yeah that's him with the beard you know so you haven't <laughs> caught up to this episode but i said like I asked them about imposter syndrome and I feel like a little bit, like I still have that, you know, to some extent. And, you know, even though you write a book, it kind of feels like, yeah, I wrote it, but I didn't. I don't know. It's a very strange feeling. Yeah. I think it's a feeling that a lot of us feel like when you coach or when you try to do something new, it's like, man, where, who, what am I doing here? Is, am I really? Yeah. <laughs> So, Jason, a uh, couple of things. If you look at side by side, if you look at Liran and Brian, they started growing their beards literally at the beginning of Shelter in Place. And so they have. You guys are in California, right? Yeah, yeah San Francisco. Because you, you keep saying Shelter in Place. It's a very Californian thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. I like to say lockdown, but. You know. <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> right. So, so that's, that's new for you guys. No, we've been for, no for the beards. Oh. I mean, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, Laron, you, you're Israeli. Uh, I had a beard, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was like this. 
before. That's like I'm from Israel, so that's how we. I heard you. On well, I heard day. you say that earlier, but you know, obviously, there's a misconception, Laron. It's like just because you're from Israel or Jewish doesn't everybody assumes you got like the payas going and the long <laughs> beard, but that's not exactly true. Like there are plenty uh, of close-shaven no. Jewish people. Yeah, but no, like most Israelis is just like, it's not a beard, but it's just everybody has like, or nobody's clean. Nobody's just walking around like clean, like John or Chris right now. Nobody. Like, right. Yeah. And I that's never look like John or Chris. That's pretty good <laughs> growth for, uh, for three months for both of you. That's impressive. Yeah. We're, and and it's, it seems like it's going to continue for a while. So we'll yeah, see. You guys are going to be a little longer than most, they say. Yeah. I've been growing mine out for three months too. Yeah. <laughs> You've been growing that man bun. It's actually not a joke. Yeah. Oh, actually, one non-CrossFit question for you, Jason, is uh, I haven't actually actually have not cut my hair in three months, so I decided I was just, I'm just gonna let it grow out. So, what are your tips for uh, <laughs> long long hair? We're in the same place right now because I had long hair, but it was really short, and I haven't cut mine since the uh, quarantine, as I refer to it. My my tip would be, if you're gonna go long hair, make sure it's long enough that you can do a ponytail. Oh, okay. You don't want you don't want that in between where you can't tie it back, especially if you're, you know, into working out. It needs to be able to be tied back and out of the way. Where there are times when I would cut it and realize it was just too short, and then it would come out mid workout, and it was in your face. So you have to either, you have to go all in, I guess is what I'm trying oh, to do. All, just go all just in. like the chapter in the book. Go you all gotta in. Commit. You gotta commit. You gotta pass that phase. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chris? Have you been growing yours out too? Is that yeah, is, is no, the extent of it? I cut my hair every week, once a week. Uh, yeah. With three hundred dollar uh, clippers. I don't you don't have to tell him that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? <laughs> that's, he's that's still spending less money than we are on haircuts. That's hey, true. That's right. True. That's true. Alrighty. So Laron. I think we ended up chapter 22? No. 25. 25. 25. Okay. So. Oh, so you guys have been doing, is that, are you done with the book? We're almost. Okay. Yeah, we all all read it. We've been going like a few chapters at a time. Yep. So instead of asking each other, like what our thoughts were on the particular chapter, I wanted to give this the opportunity since we have Jason, <laughs> since we have like Jay is the actual author, we can just ask him like what he thought or what he was, obviously it's his word, so we have an idea what he thought. But really with regards to chapter 25, um, you never know what someone else is going through. And just feel free to share some of our own experiences as we, we have been doing with regards to um, coaching, et cetera, and, when we see people in a box, even though we haven't seen people in a box for the last four months, but you, you get the point. Absolutely. So are you asking me already? Yes. What, what, so what, what is the question? So when you were thinking, when you wrote this chapter, like what was your motivation in writing this chapter? Okay, well, let's be clear. You guys have a, probably a better recollection <laughs> of the book right now than I do, because no. I haven't read it recently. but. That chapter is about someone that I met at a level one, correct? That's that chapter. That's correct. So I I really, you know, the amount of times that you've come in contact with, you know, what I would dub assholes at a level one is very rare. Hmm. 
So I really remember this guy because it was like standout. And maybe out of 200 plus seminars I worked, three times was it like this guy's a jerk and never never right at the beginning of a seminar like never right away and never every trainer before the what is crossfit lecture like what's up with this guy so it really stood out and you know i always prided myself i think i talk about it in the in that chapter and there was another time i worked at level two where someone was giving us have you guys taken your level two yeah so just Chris? Um, and Laurent is a level Laurent. Oh, big guy, Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> certified. Um, let's see Israeli and you know, you know, his parents are giving him that pressure. <laughs> you know, mine, you see in the end of my book, my mom still doesn't think I have a real job, so you get it. Um, you know, one time at a level two, I remember this woman was giving us a hard time. And Joe Alexander, who's an amazing person, flow master, former Navy SEAL, he was like, Jay, you've got the golden tongue, you take her. And I was like, all right. And then really resonated with me and meant a lot to me and something that I kind of prided myself on from that moment on because Joe is someone I really looked up to. And I was like, well, if he thinks that of me, that's who I am. And then, you know, this is you know, probably a year or two later at this seminar. And it was just, man, this kid is, seems like a jerk. He's not responsive. And, you know, it wasn't until obviously a lunch that we got to the root of it. But for me, it's really just, you, you guys heard that there's a old story about, I, think, I don't remember if I say this in the book about the guy who's coming home from the funeral on the subway. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, he's, he's coming from the funeral, his kids are acting up and someone's Oh, yeah, basically yeah. saying can you control your kids oh. and he's like oh i'm sorry we're coming from you know their mother's funeral mm. and that's always what i try to think about like you just never know and you, you mentioned you know we're not at the box but really i hope all of these lessons are just life lessons you know right. especially like you mentioned this time right like what what more important time in the world ever is there to really look at someone and be like we don't know what you've gone through mm. you know so we're we're just, you know, we need to accept you and we need to assume you're not being an asshole, but you've gone through some tough things as I have and, and be open to that. And I think, you know, from a coach's perspective, you guys, if you've coached enough classes, you realize you're going to deal with all sorts of personalities and just always assume that they're, they're coming to you with good intentions, you know, don't attribute to malice what can be attributed to ignorance or stupidity. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, I was just like, this person's a jerk because they don't see things from my view, my vantage point. And then I started realizing that's a good thing. I mean, every fight I have with my wife is because we're not seeing things from the same vantage point. And then you realize, but if we always were, it wouldn't be a very enjoyable relationship either. So you need those challenges, but it's important to to stop and realize, you know, we don't know what happened. And of course, in this situation, you know, going through a breakup, it's, it was tough, you know, and, and I think when you can put yourself in those people's shoes, it really makes a difference. John, um, have you ever had a situation, especially for you, given that you do a lot of personal training, have you ever had a situation that similar to this? Yeah, actually. Um, it's funny, I would say in general, the people that you feel don't like you the most mm -hmm. 
usually end up being the people that do like you the most. It's like, it's that, uh, I don't know what it is, but there's like, I guess people, it's those people that are like really introverted or they have like, they're really just shy. And so it comes off almost like you guys are saying like, they just, they just don't like you. But in reality, it's not, they just, you know, getting to know somebody is just, it's just very uncomfortable for them. Mm. And then once they get comfortable with you, they like, you know, they'll do anything for you. Like they just, they, you know, they have a, a lot of respect and a lot of love for you, but it's just, you know, you have to sometimes it's just giving them time to get comfortable. And some people, it takes, it takes months to get there. So yeah, I really learned, um, from having those, some of those one-on-one clients where I was like, wow, you really just gotta not make any assumptions about what someone's feeling about you just because of their facial expression or the fact that they don't say a lot of words. So Iran, chapter 26, navigate without a map. I think that's appropriate for you. Just because, how about it? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's, especially now, it comes a little bit more into play. Like we had, let's say we had the plan of doing this one, two, three, four, and COVID struck in. And CrossFit is blown up to, to hell and we find another things to do. So find a plan B or like do things smart, but know that the plans may change and it's okay that things will change. Um, but be smart about, about how you do it. And I mean, yeah, like if, if you're in the military, then you always, you know that it's, it never goes according to plan a like that almost never happens there's always like some changes something happens uh for better or for worse and you just gotta be ready to like deal with it smartly and like understand it and not just like go like preserve like oh god i I can't deal with it like you know you gotta keep it cool you gotta it's life I mean, that's business, that's life, that's CrossFit, that's anything. But I mean, it does seem particularly challenging at this very moment, though, just with the number of variables sort of up in the air, Um, particularly as it comes to sort of fitness and getting back, you know, sort of, you know, uh, whether it's getting back to the gym or sort of that, uh, you know, the direction or, and I think, complicated with that is just the uncertainty in terms of time, right? There's, it just feels like there's so many things that are out of control or out of, out of one's control. I mean, sometimes you like, I always, I mean, I'm, I'm one that likes to control a lot of stuff and feel like I'm on top of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I came back home last night and just was wiped out because it was like, you know, just kind of another thing that was sort of just felt like out of my, ability to sort of track and I was like oh, you know um, um, and this is more referring to sort of being sort of out you know the outdoor classes and stuff like just something, again something new um, 
you know, just another wrinkle variable in terms of just trying to get across that finish line to finish line being sort of to a reopen. Um, so I'm going to, okay, I'm sorry. No, what were you going to ask, Chris? No, 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 no. I was going to go to chapter 27, but go ahead. You guys buzz through these chapters. Um, no, we actually also have, we want to make space to ask you. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you mentioned this time, especially Brian, it's like, you can, we have to realize what we can and we can't control. Like you guys are out there, you have no control over anything as far as the shelter in place goes. And I think for too long, and I find myself still doing it, I try to make everything perfect. And especially when it comes to business, I found no one cares if it's perfect, nor do they ever know. And you could take forever. This book is a great example. I was editing it and editing it and I could have come up with new chapters. There's like five other chapters that are, you know, like the deleted scenes, if you will, that will either go into another book or at some point, you know, but you can continue to drive yourself crazy. And I try now to be more of the mindset of done is better than perfect. And people don't really... Even even for business, like no one understands that little two percent tweak that you're trying to make doesn't matter to anyone but you. Mm. So that that was what I was going to add about that. Mm. But it, especially this time, you know, the circle of influence and circle of control. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remember that. And sometimes when everything else is out of your control, you then try to control those things you can even more which maybe a lot of people are going through right now. Yeah. yeah. I think for us also, besides the fact that COVID and CrossFit, none of us are the affiliate owner of where we coach at and Chris. Is like, so we're all, Jay, Jay already knows. <laughs> we're all be a little bit like disappointed or not happy with the way things go or, but. Well, like, and to be fair, that that's a woman, right, Chris? Yep. You were saying yep. so she's not on here to say anything. But in fairness, she's kind of navigating without a map too. Like, yeah, and she fair. didn't, you know. We were talking about on today's podcast. Like, it was literally eighteen days ago, maybe nineteen. A text goes out, and all of a sudden, her life is flipped, turned upside down. No different than all you know, yours and mine. So. There was no rule book for what the right protocol is. Should the founder of CrossFit make a racist tweet? Like that wasn't in the affiliate handbook, if you will, <laughs> right? Like now it will be going forward. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I mean, in fairness, she is that it was out of her control just as much as ours. Oh, yeah. yours. For sure. Not that I think she shouldn't be an affiliate. Just <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I mean, I'm interested in your opinion, right? Changes were made. Mm. I spoke about it today. Changes were made. I don't know what else. At some, it's like when you're fighting. You ever get into a fight? Are you guys married? Mm -hmm. All of these guys are except for me. Just like, well, you. Just you know, that might be the smarter decision. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you ever, like, fighting with your wife or significant other and then you apologize and and they're like you're still mad at them like no i remember someone once said to me 
they, they, you know, like, are, what are you trying to get now? Like you, they apologize. Like you need to move on. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. 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 For, for us, it's like, I forgive you. I'm okay. But I need like, just give me a, an hour to cool off. Just. Yeah. And that's different. That's different than continuing to escalate the things. Yeah. 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 So that goes to the next chapter, which is to um, stay in your lane, which is when I read this chapter, I always think about it from um, a book I was reading about Tony Dungy years ago about football when he was um, coaching the Tampa Bay Buc Buccaneers when they sucked. And he actually brought them to a level in the year before um, they made it to the Super Bowl and won. Um, he got fired, right? And he subsequently took the standard that he used and took that to, I believe it was the Baltimore Colts and implemented the same standard and they won. And in particular, what he taught was for linemen to play their position or stay in their lane and just block the opponent in front of them and just do that job and do it very well, almost like virtuosity. And if you do it incredibly well, uncommonly well, then that's how you win. And that's how he built the Tampa Bay Buc Buccaneers to the level before John Gruden came in and took them right, the following year. And he was able to do that again in Baltimore. So when I read, Jason, when I read your um, chapter, especially given what Boz tells you, and the fact that I have coffee with Boz two weeks ago, right? So, because he's out- Oh, you, you live near Boz, you're near Oakland? Yeah, so it's right across the bridge. So we had coffee, Kimmy, um, Boz and I had coffee, and we're catching up. And um, so staying in your lane is really, it really just stood in my, stood out to me to say, if you, and having seen you at the, at the games, judging, it's really, you really get the understanding of if you're not focused on that particular task in judging the athlete, et cetera, and you're focused on everything else, it can go awry, right? So I, I think of that in terms of a team to say, even as coaches for us, if we're executing, not to, to execute like we're on a rugby scrum or we're like a little kid's soccer team where everybody runs after the ball, but that we're focused on a task at hand or, hand or whatever we're assigned to do and do it really well. Um, and we're not focused on other things or distractions, et cetera. Yeah, and you know, to talk about this specifically, I think it's changed. I think in the book, I'm I'm reading, I have an old draft pulled up because I didn't pull it up early enough. But I think I wrote that we had 40 judges, so it changed since yeah, every year 40. But right now, this past year there was 20. But you know, they're all part of seminar staff. They're all Type A. They're all typically you know whether they're box owners or just used to being in charge, and. I am always the guy, this is why I think Boz has me every year, because he knows I'm just going to sit back and be told what to do. And it's hard for a lot of people to do that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I don't want to name any names, but there's like two or three people that we all know it's like, they're going to be the ones, they're going to say something and they'll put their hand up and Boz will have gone through a workout and be like, they'll be like, where are the chalk buckets? And Boz will be like, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know that. And he's so... <laughs> direct like Fern and I and Todd we kind of hang together usually and we just like 
there is not, I don't care if I don't understand what the workout is, I will not ask a question <laughs> because A, I know it's going to get answered before I need to be prepared. And B, it doesn't change the fact that I just need to watch the movement. <laughs> right. And I think, so one, this might've been two, I remember it was last year too. There was a, some sort of yoke carry, I think. And I had Vellner mm. and I forget why, but one of his yellows, so it must've been 35s got away and started rolling down the competition floor. I don't remember. It was one of the last two years. And in my mind, I was like, should I go get that? And then I was in my mind, I was also like, Boz would say no. Like not only would I have left my, literally left my lane in that moment, but it was like, that's not my job. I'm not here to control your equipment. I'm here to judge reps. Mm -hmm. And Vellner went chasing after it. But we see a lot of times, I'm sure if you watch close, like judges, you know, and I do the same. I judge the guy on uh, Mary this past year. I think his name, Logan, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, you know, you're talking a little bit, but the bigger picture is you're there to do your job and that's what you should be focusing on. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny to, every year to watch the people that just, they can't help themselves. They just want to ask more questions. <laughs> they want to know more. And it's, you know, that's, that's not what we're here for. It's, so it's interesting. As a side note, Levon, don't you want to uh, judge at the games? Yeah, level sure. three, <laughs> level three over there. <laughs> my level four, then I'm trying to plug you, bro. Come on, I got you. Right. Come you on. Could, um, I mean, I don't know who, who knows what it's going to be like this year, but I mean, certainly if things get back to normal in one year, you just volunteer, go do it. I've seen, I mean, you see the same people every year for the teams and, and the um, masters, and this year. You know, we judged with them, especially on the first, that the first cut and the second cut. I think they were called. Yeah. You know, so everybody's out there. Yeah, it's not as uh, crack. It's not as much fun as it, as it appears to be. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of kneeling in uncomfortable positions. A lot of eating. That's another joke. So my other buddy Dustin, who he's now a police officer in, I think San Jose, hmm. um, Dustin Virgil, and he and I when when he would judge would just sit back and watch 38 of the fittest people the other you know 38 people just slamming sugar all day long because they're just like you're tired you're bored they're just and we would always sit back and watch them and kind of goof on them how they're eating all these peanut m&ms there's always peanut m&ms and we're like fasting so we don't you know go into that bad you know spiral out of control so it's 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 really the judging of the games is kind of like a, like an experiment. I think mm. it's like, Hey, let's take 40 people or 20 this past year. Let's, you know, the year we went to San Jose, um, to Romas. Mm -hmm. So that was a Wednesday, I think. So basically was that Chris? Ooh, I was like, wow. So it was a Wednesday. They briefed the workout at like eight. They're like, okay. Um, calls at 2 a.m. So I'm like, all right, you're starting us off extremely sleep deprived. You're putting us in a high stress situation. You're feeding us food that not only is unhealthy, but we're pretty unaccustomed to eating, you know, and then waiting for this to explode. So it's kind of fun. It's like a, it's like an experiment to me every year. And I'm always like, I'm not going to be the one to crack. I'm not going to crack. 
So does that sound more appealing to you, Laurent, after that uh, description? <laughs> oh, for sure. It's like boot camp. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, Dave and Boz, you know, torture us, but we keep coming back for more for some reason. Like, it's, it's one of those scenarios, too, where you're like, by the last day, you're like, I never want to do this again. And then by now, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do it. Well, you know, you guys have all been through, like, there's always, you have something like that where you look back on and it was like your most fond memories, but at the time you're like, this is miserable. <laughs> the open, the open does a little bit for me like that. Like yeah. always excited to start it. And by about week three, four or whatever, it's like, Oh, I'm ready for this to be done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Laurent, were you really in the Israeli army or military? Yeah. So I'm sure like boot camp is probably like, they're probably some of your best friends. I don't know. Looking back on, and you're yeah. probably miserable, cold at times, like sleep oh, deprived. Yeah. And now yeah. you're like, I, I miss that, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's some moments that I know are probably the toughest in my life, but I wouldn't say I miss those moments. But yeah, you miss the camaraderie. The, camaraderie, the, that's a good word. The whole yeah. experience of it, but, but not. There are some moments that I don't want to relive ever. I can see, I can see that. Well, we'll say boot camp is slightly harder than judging the CrossFit games. Yeah. So Jay, like one level, one level. Yeah. He's being modest. He was in special forces of IDF. So, so yeah, yeah maybe that wasn't yeah as enjoyable. <laughs> no. There was right. no right. Pe peanut M and M sound good at that point. Yeah. <laughs> peanut M and M would be great. <laughs> so Brian, yeah, chapter twenty-eight. Sir, remind me. Let's see. Okay. It's love you, love you take is equal to the love you make. Do any of you know whose lyrics those are? Yeah, Brian does. Yeah, uh, um, uh, it's, I mean it's the Beatles. It's the um, yeah. from from Abbey Road. Yeah. Um, All right. Look at Brian. Uh, Twenty points. That should be common knowledge, Chris. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Should be. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just refreshing myself here. Um, you know, talking about. Um, I, I guess this actually sort of ties back a little bit with what what John was saying as well. Like, sort of, you know, sort of, you know, sometimes you the the um, uh, you know folks that you might bond with. You know. You, uh, oh shoot. Uh, I got it. <laughs> uh, hang. I'm sorry. I, I got to deal with something. I got you. He didn't study. He didn't study. He told his kid to come get him. <laughs> one, as a side note, one of the things that stood out in this chapter for me was on page 189, you said culture starts from the top and trickles down, right? Mm. From the owner to the coaching staff to each and every member. There's no hack to it. And the recent, um, yeah, turmoil, like you said, 19 days, right? It just, um, seeing that and reading that again, is like, boom, it's, it's right there. And at the same time, culture actually existed and exists even though that person's not at the top. Um, being that Greg is no longer, or soon, no longer to be the owner. So it was almost as if the culture was created and the culture existed in in excess of the individual person at the top as a counter counterfact to that. 
Yeah, I mean, as you were saying that, I started to think, I'm like, wow, yeah, that is true. I'd never thought about it from that perspective. And I think it's it's absolutely true. I think it's a slightly different culture with the people that you're surrounding. Like, right. probably Greg Glassman didn't influence the culture at your box. That's correct. But he certainly influenced, you know, and talking about this more, it certainly influenced my behavior at the box. I mean, I was a mini Greg Glass, not racist, and not <laughs> no, no sexual misconduct. So let me uh, let me uh, clear that up a little bit. Yeah. But more like the brashness and the even like the you know quote unquote like libertarian aspect of it. Like my coach would be like, "I want to do this." I'm like, "Then go do it. Don't bug me about it. Start an Olympic lifting class, and if it does well, cool." You know, and I, I really borrowed a lot of that from him. And, it's, but the brashness, especially, I mean, the earlier chapters was really pertaining to Albany Cross for like the 5K, mm-hmm. where I would like yell at people. <laughs> and it was just because like, he was my inspiration as a leader, mm-hmm. really. So, but then, you know, so it was actually when I was reading that email to Alyssa from Rocket CrossFit, Right, And I was reading it and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's good. Like she got what she deserved. And like, as, and I stood by that. I was like, that's how I feel right now. Cause that would have annoyed me. Mm-hmm. And I, that's how I learned to deal with stuff like that. And it was my wife who was like, no, you can't talk to people like that. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh? And then I felt myself getting mad that I was, I was mad that I was getting mad in this weird way. Like I was mad that she was right, but more mad that I had been wrong. It was mm-hmm. inner dialogue. And then it was really eye-opening to me that, yeah, like that culture, that aspect of it was trickled down to me and probably a lot of those early box owners. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was, we were at the forefront somewhat of a new movement and you almost felt like it was us against them. Like I lost friends that were old school personal trainers because they weren't doing CrossFit, you know, mm-hmm. or gave up my entire yoga practice because it wasn't CrossFit. And not only was it not, it was dumb, um, you know, and, and luckily, it, well, I don't think it's because I stopped believing in CrossFit or Coach Glassman, but I realized at some point along the way, you know, a mentor that I talk about in the book a lot, Sasha, kind of started to change my perspective on that. One of the, one of the times he said it to me, we we're having a meeting and we we're talking about the gyms and he said, Jason, people love you despite you, you know? And I was like, that's cool. I was like, that's cool. Like, that's good. Like I can be me and they love me. But then I'm like, well, wouldn't it just be cool to be liked because you're a good person? Mm. You know, like, do you guys watch The Office? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, would you rather be feared? What did you say? Would you rather be feared or loved? I'd rather be, I'd rather people be afraid of how much they love me, you know? And that's (laughs) what I've tried to do, you know? And that was really, you know, what the book was. It was almost like, this is behind me now. And now I can just go on and be a good person all the time. And mm. I'm still not, but I try, <laughs> I try, but it's interesting. You pers- you put it from that perspective, Chris, cause I really hadn't thought about it like that. Like mm. my friend, you know, we had friends, close friends, people on staff. They're like, I, I threw out my CrossFit shirts so or I'm embarrassed to wear this out, you know? And I think that's still going to take some time. I don't think all the people that read maybe the New York times article, don't necessarily follow the morning chalk up to see that there's a new right. CEO. Right. So it's right. going to take a little bit of time for the world to catch up, you know, but hopefully at some point people will not feel that way. 
and they you know shouldn't be shouldn't take pride in wearing the their crossfit you know and that's probably where your owner came from a little bit but i, I hope that we see that that change in the near future right you know as i as you were saying that jay i started thinking my mom called me and my mom is trained by um david osorio yeah, right. Cam. So, what's what's her name again? Oh, Constance. Constance, right? yeah. So David's like a like her other adopted son or her other son, right? And so the two of them are like this. And what was interesting was when everything happened, I never thought I would have a conversation with my mom calling me up to say, "So what's going on with Greg Glassman?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, I gotta explain to my mom, right?" So yeah, and. She like is on top of it. I'm surprised she didn't send me a morning chalk up article, but she sent me a Mercury San Jose, you know, news like the San Jose Mercury um, article about there's a new owner, and she just called me. So I'm sure after I get off this um, Zoom call, I'm going to be talking to my mom about CrossFit, my 81 year old mom. About oh, so you guys are near San Jose too? Um, yeah, we're about 45 minutes to an hour away from... Oh, so you might be know, I mentioned Dustin earlier. I forget the name of his box. It was like a town with okay. an A. Um, play a bunch of it's those in California. Aptos, it? Was it? It's not Aptos, is it? No, no, not Aptos. I'll look it up later. But, okay. you know, speaking of David, he's one of the people I spoke to. I think it was last weekend. Hmm. It was, it's kind of all blur, but, you know, he mentioned, I mean, his demographic is not just yeah. mixed ethnically but any type of you know you know every, everything going on in brooklyn yep. and he you know one of the things that really resonated with me was what david said he's like you know my kids class the kids are calling me asking me why i'm racist hmm. and he was like they don't know the difference that it was greg glassman or crossfit wow. right all they know is south brooklyn and david is crossfit to me so that was one of like Wow. You know, because to me, I was like, look, he said something incredibly insensitive and dumb, you know, and he should know better than putting anything like that on social media. But I was like, I can move forward. And I, and I hadn't looked at it from that perspective that David did. And that's why I came around a bit for affiliates because I'm like, man, that's, that's tough. Like, mm. I can't, like, you know, and he said he had, he had black kids that were like, does CrossFit not want me to do this? Mm. And it was, you know. So that was really where it was like, you hear the pain in David's voice, who's someone who I really admire and look up to, and he's very level-headed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, like, I really didn't think about it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, going back to what I said earlier, we've made the change. Like now, if you're not an affiliate, you're blaming CrossFit, not a man, the, you know, that did it, in my opinion. Um, but certainly that was, you know, yeah, that was tough to hear that from David because he was, you know, really hurt by it. Mm -hmm. I forgot, you know, forgot about the connection with you until yeah, you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, small world. Oh, so Laurent, twenty-nine. Define your success. Um, I like that chapter. It was, I mean. Hopefully now I have a friend, so it reminded me, uh, I have a friend back in Israel who's trying to open his own place and he's thinking about like, he's talking to me about like how much he should charge for memberships and how many people and stuff like that. I'm like, 
And he's like, you got to think like a business owner. Don't think like a coach. Think like a business owner. Like, think about the money because Tel Aviv is expensive and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, remember, like, but don't think, I know you're thinking like a business owner, but think about how would you run the classes? How would you coaches experience will be running the classes? Like, you can't just pack those classes to make money. Like, it's, yeah, it's your um, livelihood it's your business but you want to make a good product you want to coach well you want to have good coaches that enjoy coaching you, you can't just ch run like chase the money like you gotta have other kinds of stuff that you're gonna determine as being successful or having this amount of athletes or even outside of coaching and crossfit and not just so i really like that one just like it's not always about the money or how big you are or famous you are because today it's all about being famous and knows you or who you know and it's not all about that it's like a little bit more of like what matters to you as a person as an athlete as a coach probably will resonate with you to the rest of your life more I think, yeah. Anyone else want to weigh in? Yeah, those, um, yeah, speaking to that point about like, if you're just focused on making money, then you'll kind of lose sight of where, where people, why people are actually showing up, right? Which is ties into the other chapter about the experience. And so, you know, it's easy to get caught up like, oh, we need those like, newest assault bikes we need those newest uh, olympic barbells but you know at the end of the day if members aren't happy with the experience or coaches aren't happy with you know the way they're treated or consistency of you know what the owner is telling them you know it doesn't really matter like what expensive stuff you have it doesn't matter how much money the box is making it doesn't matter how much the coaches are getting paid right so um yeah like that you, you were able to take a step back and just self-reflect and then realize it was all the relationships that you built going through three boxes that is actually what fulfilled you, not, you know, making money or mm. buying shiny new stuff for a shiny new, new box. Yeah. And then I think for me, especially it was beyond that when it was like, now who am I and what am I? it was okay. You can chase money forever, but ultimately it's a, you know, about the relationships you make and the way you make other people feel. And you know, when Nikki said that to me, it really, you know, it's most of the moments in the book I wrote about because they stood out in my life. And that was you know, one of them. I remember where it was in North Naples CrossFit listening to her, you know, tell me that I was like, wow, mm. yeah, it's true. I never thought about it like that. Mm. I heard, I heard Simon Sinek, I think it was Simon Sinek, the guy who wrote Start With Why. He mm -hmm. said, if you, if you chase money, it's always double where you're at that what you think will make you happy. Mm. And he's like, you're never going to be there. Mm. Yeah, you can always make more money. But uh, my, my brief anecdote on this is uh, my daughter asked me just this after, a couple hours ago, she's like, he said, what, is, what does rich mean? Um, I said, well, why'd you ask, why are you asking me that? 
um, she had heard it something like that in school and uh, or something on TV, something about being rich. Um, I said, well, I don't know what the context was, but you know, I said, well, you can measure rich being rich by money, um, and that might be what they were talking about. Um, but I told her right then, it's like you, there's other ways to measure if someone is rich, whether it's um, you know, you, let's say you have a loving uh, you know a loving family, or you have a pet that you you know, you're close to, or you have, you know, friends and, and relationships. And, and so I was trying to give her right then as a sort of, hopefully some, a lesson there, just, I think sort of the, what's in the line with what you're just describing as well. It's like, there's a lot of different ways to measure that just beyond, you know, what, uh, just a, a monetary value. So I'm not sure if it's sunk into quite the four-year-old, but I at least gave it a But at least she asked you a question. Yeah. The question that, that, is equally as important, right? So, Brian, you want to take us out on the final chapter? Life is happening right now. Uh, let's see. Let me see if we can. Because <laughs> right, it's happening right now. <laughs> it's happening right now. It is happening right now. I just gotta I, I, I re refresh my memory. Um, I'm. Uh, you almost drowned. Yeah. Oh, you almost almost drowned, and then you're you're uh, sort of sitting on the. Uh, on the beach there, um, sort of reflecting on life, if I, re if I recall correctly. Um, and then sort of uh, remem remembering, I think, all of the uh, experiences and sort of richness, I guess, that was in your life. Um, if I, do I have that correct? Yep. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. That's a sure, yeah, that was, that I didn't swim again for almost four years at Waterpalooza. Oh wow! Not in the open water. Right, right. Which is much harder than it looks. Hmm. If you're not a, I'm not a very good swimmer to begin with. So, but I mean, I guess I was, you know, right there. That's um, it's an interesting lesson to be sort of reflecting on at this time, um, and sort of sort of also picking up on some of the things we've already talked about with a lot of the various things going on in the world. Um, and I, I, you know, it's probably something I could uh, grasp onto a little bit more where like it's chaos out there, I'm kind of feeling like there's a lot of stuff going on, but at the same time, there's a lot of things for me still to be thankful for. Um, and uh, I mean, I, for me, I'm noticing that I'm uh, a lot sh shorter, more irritable, um, and, uh, and, you know, that's just because things are sparking, you know, within me. Uh, but I need to be able to take a step back, let's say, sit on that beach or take a walk. I've been trying to do more of those, but um, to remember that I have a lot of, you know, positive things sort of going on and, you know, no matter what, going to be able to chart, you know, a, a positive course going forward. But yeah, I think that's sometimes really easy to forget. Um, so. I, mean, I guess you could sort of equate a lot of the, these traumas sort of to that near, you know, near drowning trauma in a, in a, in one sense. You know, that's kind of surprising to hear from you, Brian, because you're one of the calmer people I've known. Yeah. Like at UB and we've known each other for what, eight years? Plus. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I'm like, wow, I can't imagine you like being short or like irritable. Yeah, that's not my experience of you. So, interesting. 
Uh, if I ask Amy, she might tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> We're used to Chris being short and uh, irritable. You're not. That's not. Uh, that's, that's Dave. That's Dave. <laughs> that's Dave, right? Yeah. That's I'm Dave. the governor. Come on, right? Shake hands and kiss babies. Come on. That's right. <laughs> so we've finished, but I wanted to, um, Dave, if you still had some time, if um, the group could ask questions. Yeah, of course. Yeah, some may have questions about. I wanted to ask about chapter 22. <laughs> Let me reopen. Let me reopen uh, the book. What was the name of the, what was the title? Uh, a failure is inevitable. Yeah. So were you talking about how you tried to get to the seminar staff? And uh, of course, the level three wants to ask about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I heard like, I know it's super hard. You need to be like super experienced. Know your shit obviously um but just wonder here like firsthand like about that experience well i'll try to give you more than was in the book then um yeah took, i remember driving to my level one with my ex from years ago from albany to toronto because it was the only one on the east coast for weeks or if not months and this is prior to the first one was actually at David's box in South Brooklyn that I interned at. Mm. Um, but I remember driving there and you kind of, because there was a forum, you would like find out the other people from your area that were interested in crossing and going. And the guy, I think his name was Joe owned or, or the box in Rochester, which was like three hours from Albany. Mm. And I knew he was going and he was like, yeah, I'm going, I'm taking my level two. And immediately I was jealous. I was like, wait, how do I take that one? instead of the level one. And like, I was just so, so into CrossFit before even my level one, I was like, how do I take that? How do I move on to the next one? And as soon as I walked in, I was like, I want to be on staff. And it was a little different over the years. It's changed again. I mean, if you really wanted to be on staff, you've done the, the hardest part with the, the exception of the internship is passing your level three. You can't get on staff without your level three. Um, you know, then you, I would say really just, email, find the email it's somewhere on CrossFit if you're interested in interning. But back then there was no clear cut path and there was just a lot of like favorites it appeared to be, games athletes, you know, and I was neither. So, you know, I just was like, I want to, I want to get on staff and I interned. I, I went to South Brooklyn, I went to all the boxes around and I would see my friends and other people that started interning before or even after me get, get hired. And, you know, but it was just, I forget what I was reading or watching something recently just about, you know, people that you fail and, and how that has to make you better. And that's how I took it. And I don't, I didn't mean to, I didn't know that I was doing it at the time. I think it's just when you really care about something, you're just like, I'm going to keep going. And if we've thought about, I guess if we purposely did that a little more often, it would probably all be better. But yeah. it was just, I remember the, I don't think I talk about it. I remember the, my 10th internship, which wound up being my last, after day one, Curtis Bowler from um, Washington, out by you guys. He's currently the owner of the very first affiliate because there was a couple in front of him and they are no longer affiliates. So he's now the, the first affiliate. Um, 
And after day one, we go back to the hotel after dinner and you're like uncertain how you did that day. You're just sitting there in stress. And he goes, I got to he looks at me. He's one of the most he's huge, strong dude. Uh, looks at me. He's like, well, probably not going to hire you. And I was like, you know, and he didn't mean anything bad by it. That's just who he is. He's a very direct, he's um, in charge of the athletes at the games every year. You see a guy with a monocle. I don't know if you guys know who, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wears a monocle. Like that's how crazy he is. He has a monocle. Like who has a monocle? <laughs> 2020. <laughs> so, but, but he goes, yeah, I'm not going to hire you. I'm like, and I remember I was like, all right. And I go back to my room, Keith Wittenstein, uh, coach Panda, was letting me stay with him because that is an intern. You had to pay your way. So he's letting me stay with him. And I remember opening my computer and looking for the next seminar that was going to be in the area. You know, even though I knew like they probably weren't going to let me back after this, but it just wasn't a thought. It was just like, all right, now I got to figure out. And then after the next day, he, you know, changed his mind. Wow. So, because you kind of were looser, just kind of let go. Just, yeah, you know, I, mean, I remember I was, it's very nerve wracking. I mean, yeah, it's for sure to me. Well. I mean, I have a degree and I think it's harder than that. Like you're on edge for probably like 96 hours. Cause as the seminar is coming up, you start to stress out Friday. You're, you know, as soon as you get the email, like who you're with, especially when you know them a little bit, you're like, ah, oh. you know, it almost has another layer of stress. And then having seen all the people that haven't made it over the years too, as you know, whether they interned at the same time I did or, or after I was on staff, it's tough. But it's, I mean, I think it's, I think that's also why the seminar staff care so much. It's like, you can't make it if you don't care. And that only makes you care even more. So when you were um, in that chapter, when you were talking about trying out for the seminar staff, cause you, you were saying like in your mind, you felt like you crushed it. So was it, uh, looking back now in hindsight, do you feel like you did crush it? And it was like, can you look back and see like, okay, this is where I messed up. Or do you feel like it was something arbitrary or can you pinpoint now? Like what were the reasons it took you 10 tries to, to finally make it? Cause I was terrible. Cause I was really, cause I was terrible. Cause like, when you say, can you pinpoint it? I'm like, yeah, that, all oh, that hour, <laughs> you know? Um, I think I talk about, it. I was trying to read through, but I think I say what Nicole said to me at my level two. I don't remember if I say that somewhere in the book, but you know, she was like, people love being around you, but you're a terrible coach. She basically said when I passed my level two. <laughs> and I think to some extent, and it's like a lot of coaches, probably you guys all experience this. Like you go back to your box and you're like, I'm the best. And no one's telling you otherwise. So you just continue to think you're right over, you know, it's getting driven in. Like I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And it, it's a bad habit. And then, you know, so you, you then go and do your thing and you're like, that I crushed it. I did my normal thing. And then like specifically, my seeing and correcting because I just ran with presence and attitude, you know, and if I was so, I was at a, you know, if you look like, you remember like when you play like Madden back in the day, it was like speed, toughness, this, that it's like for, for a character, mine would be like presence and attitude. And then it'd be like teaching all these would be like, <laughs> if you needed one guy that was really good at one thing, that's all. And, um, 
you know, so in part, failing so many times did force I had to get better because everybody kept saying the same thing, which is, I suppose, good news, right? You're getting the same feedback from all 10 were different flow masters. So, but it made me a better coach today for sure, for sure. And a better, and you know, the chapter I wrote about the muscle up, like having to really earn my muscle up, same thing here. Like, I think this is what helps me to better be a better coach to coaches because I was so bad. Like the, <laughs> another, a coach that was good, you know, you take Austin who from day one can like smell lack of hip extension. You know, he happens to be a great coach, but you could see him being like, don't you see it? Like, don't you see his knees, his hips and his ankles? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I wasn't watching. What did I see? You know, so you need to be bad in order to be that good coach. And also understand the struggle that you're going through. Yeah. Thanks. But you can do it. If you can make it through the, <laughs> you know, boot camp for the troopers, stormtroopers of Israel. Yeah. I forgot the name of, of the yeah. division. But I think, you know, I, I you, you, when it's fun when you're on staff and you see the interns, even if I'm not the one judging them, you can tell the ones that really want to be there. Mm-hmm. you know how, how can you tell okay. well first of all they don't ask you how much money do we get paid i've okay. had that happen one guy <laughs> be like so how much do we get paid when we're hired i'm like you're not getting hired let's not even <laughs> worry about that or you know like another like do I, you know how often will i work like those kind of like i remember like when i was interning i didn't it was nothing but i need to make this thing um but i think you could just see the passion people that do the you know, there's some little details within an email, say, and it's not hidden message, but you can tell the ones that really like read through it extensively and took the time to do that. Or they're sitting there taking notes, watching, even if it's their second, third or fourth internship, you know, ahead of someone asking to fold up chairs. Just the, the, the same reason you guys probably have coaches at your box that you think are good and ones that you think are, you know, turds for a lack of a because that's what you almost feel like those people are like i care so much and you don't care at all like don't do this mm-hmm. yep so if given when i ask you a question it may seem like it's coming out of left field but <laughs> okay because it is but if you were still a box owner an affiliate owner and circumstances occurred as it did 19 years, 19 days ago. How would you navigate that? How would you help your community navigate that? It would, I mean, I, I'll tell you what I think I would have done, but I can tell you like the people that were put in that position, like I mentioned, David, you know, it was, and there was some point more so during the pandemic, even Mm -hmm. I was, there were, there was a time where I'm like, wow, like I thought I knew how I would have handled this, but I don't feel comfortable giving as much advice as Fern per se, because I don't know how I would be going through it. But this specifically, I'll, I'll, I'll use current day me versus, because originally I would have been like, probably like just de- blindly defending coach Lastman. Hmm. Um, so present day me, I would have tried to get ahead of it. You know, it. I don't think I understood quite the level of it till probably Sunday afternoon. Hmm. You know, I didn't only simply because I didn't see anything till Sunday morning. Um, 
I remember was happening as we were on the Black Lives Matter episode recording it. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about something that was like yesterday, but already completely out of touch because this yeah. you know new thing happened. Um, so anyway, I think I would have just tried to get ahead of it and reached out to my members, both social media, email, and said like, look, we love CrossFit. You know, we don't stand behind this, behind what Coach Glassman said. Give us a couple of days to navigate this. Give us a couple of days to really find out more. Mm. You know, because I think that's really like, there was just no information and it was hard to, you know, and especially as someone who does know Coach Glassman a little bit. I mean, we've texted, he knows me. I certainly would never have been like, he's racist. Like some of the stuff Andy said, I'd be like, yeah, I might be able to see that. But <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to convince me. I mean, right. I've, I've just, you know, they tried to get me to go to Kenya one year to build schools. I was like, I don't want to go to Kenya. Like, I don't want to build schools. <laughs> like, you know, they, they weren't doing that because it was making the news. Like, my mom didn't forward me anything about that, but she's forwarded me every New York Times article about it, you know? So, but it would have been hard. And I think, what happened next? It went from the tweet to Andy, right? right. Was the next step. That would have been tougher. Like, that really hit home a little bit, you know? I've I've had people reach out that were like, you know, that I was around that, you know, mm-hmm. or it was even like that some of that stuff happened to me, uh, you know, and, and, you know, thinking about like your wife, your, your mom, you know, if you have kids, you're just like, you know, I don't want them to be around that. Like, and that's when I was like, okay, I, I almost was leaning towards like affiliates. Think about what you want to do because you're using the methodology, but I'm okay if you leave. Mm-hmm. And I really was getting there. And I don't know how much I said that, but, and, and right on that, I mean, I spoke to David Saturday and that podcast came out Friday. So, you know, that really hit home, but now with all things that have happened and maybe again, I have a little more insight. I was on a call with the guy, but I think, I mean, people wanted him out, hmm. you know, and even when he retired, it wasn't enough, which I can understand, but it, you know, he sold, I mean, no one should be feeling sorry. I think, you know, whether it was 50 or $75 million, you know, he's rich, like whatever definition you give to your daughter, you can really, that guy's kind of rich too. You know? um, but, uh, you know, I think at this point I would have, whether I had decided to de-affiliate or not, I, I would have become a CrossFit affiliate again. Hmm. Um, you know, I think, so far, at least, this guy appears to be saying the right things. But whether whether he turns out to be great or terrible, the you, you should be doing it all just to support the community. The community that spoke up should now be the community that's standing up. Mm-hmm. You know, you you the, or else what were you standing up? What were you you know speaking up about? What were you actually trying to? You made a change. You know, the games athletes that dropped out, the affiliates that deaffiliated. You made a change, but. You know, it'd be like the protesters out there protesting, getting, you know, some some things moving in the right direction and then continuing. Like at some point, it's like, cool, we, we accomplished this really amazing thing. You know, now let's take it to the next level. So one of the one of the demands, I don't know if to call it a demand, but what they ask for is that CrossFit will create a board of directors and it's not going to be just led by one person doesn't matter who that is um do you know if it's one of their 
plans if there's any plan to do that or still nothing I, to know. I honestly I have no idea if they they plan on doing that. But I think you know and that was one of the things and I know there's probably some people saying we want to see whether it's you know Dave around or not anymore based on you know what was said. And that's a tough one for me right now. Like I really even thinking because Dave's a great dude. Like mm-hmm. you know it's hard and you you realize when all the things that went down like this in Hollywood and people were like, I can't believe, you know, this, like, you can't believe that someone you respect is doing, you know, doing these, it's weird to be attached to that. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, 18 days was a very fast time for a million dollar company to sell. I don't think we should now be like forcing the hand at the next and the next and the next. What I can say is this guy seems like the kind of guy that's listening to the community and also running a gym, running a, he does run a gym, but running bigger businesses. I'm sure he had board of directors and things. I think as far as even just him having his own checks and balances, it might be something that they're interested in. Yeah. But I, I, I could see it. I also think, you know, affiliates want to have more of a voice than they deserve. And I was, that what I would say, when I still owned an affiliate, like what other companies are you like a, basically a stockholder, you know, this tremendous say, you know, they, they, you know, I think it just goes back to, they care, like they really care about it. So they mm-hmm. want the best in mind and you know, it, it influences your gym, but it's, it's tends, you know, go back two questions ago. I don't know. Like that's tough. Like that's why I don't fault affiliate owners for making any decision. I was just always, encouraging them to think more about it than reacting i think just given the world where it is it's so reactive yeah yeah oh that's horrible yeah and social media makes it even easier yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean just picking up on that is like, i mean you can kind of seem not wanting to be too reactive on either, sort of either side right it's like well, maybe you know affiliate owners could have paused or just say hey, we're going to take in more information okay now there's a change made but you know, now still want to be able to take in more information besides before sort of making. That's fair. That's a fair point, and right, so, Brian? Yeah. And so that you know, so, but then I'm, I mean, so my question then is like, you know, what additional information or sort of you know what things might we expect to hear and in a, in some sort of time frame where then it's actionable by affiliate owners. You know, that are may, maybe it's like, hey, yeah, this looks like a reasonable first step, but I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but you'd want to bring them back in the fold if you could. And so, like, what, you know, and I imagine maybe, you know, there's probably been some things discussed, uh, but maybe, maybe you know or not know, but um, just in terms of, hey, what can we continue to do to sort of communicate such that we get some of the affiliate owners um, you know, a little more comfortable? Yeah, and I think... The truth is none of us know, and, and we all have kind of different levels of what that means. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it might have been CEO. For Lorana, it might be, I need that board. You know, it's like people with the pandemic. Some are willing to go out to bars. Some are, you know, staying at home. But, I, I mean, I think right away, I mean, a few things were done very quickly. I mean, Coach Glassman, if you would have told me, the day after the tweet, Coach Glassman retired. I'm like, no way this guy retires. I was saying no way he sells the day before it sold. You know, so, and I still think we can't, 
underestimate that 18 day number. Sure. I mean, cause you, I, in, from rumors I was hearing is like, he's knuckling down and he's not going anywhere from very close people to him. So it was really a very short window from the moment he was like, okay, I'll, I'll sell this thing. Um, but I think, you know, Dave immediately brought in, um, I forget the t- affiliate uh, ambassadors, right. right? Which was something he, um, you know, he kind of said he was going to put Rich in charge of the games to allow him assumingly more time to, to run this thing. And then, you know, obviously the sale is the biggest thing, but then I think what Eric did is he finally, someone's addressing racism, someone's addressing, you know, sexual misconduct, you know, which needed to be done at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they'd need to make, somebody needs to say something, somebody needs to post Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, I think, I don't know, what the hesitation is. I mean, obviously it's a bigger decision than I'm sure for me to put a post up, but you know, I, th- I think that's what a lot of people are still waiting on. If, if you ask me, at least from what I'm seeing and on social media feeds, yeah. does that seem true yeah. at the individual yeah. level? Well, yeah, I think because we're in San Francisco, San Francisco, so <laughs> to the, because of its politics, its um, progressive nature, it, I think the boxes, many of the boxes were out making a statement up front. Um, so for them, going back to what you said, I think the members already knew that the boxes, many of the boxes were inclusive, et cetera. So I think that was almost like, and that to them was the understanding of CrossFit. They didn't see, um, there are times that for the members that we coached or we interact with, if I say Aromas, they have no idea. If I say Kelly Starrett, even though he's here in San Francisco, they have no idea, right? Right. So I'm like, wow, I'm like an ancient person, right? And <laughs> he literally is here in San Francisco, right? So um, I think they just look, many of the members looked at the individual box as their CrossFit experience. It wasn't until... And they should. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until, like you said, the New York Times, right, um, came out because that's separate from listening to individual podcasts. Because right. that is even getting meta into, you know... CrossFit. Yeah, no one knows. Most people don't know who Andy Stump is that do CrossFit at your box. Right, right, right. right. So. The morning chalk up is the bad guys in this because they're the ones that spread that stuff to the to the people that wouldn't know any better because they follow that. Right. Um, yeah, and you know, I think you know when you ask also about what you would do, it's you know that's where you have to decide how much are you separating yourself from from the man because they're they're we've been at level ones where you were like, hey, who owns CrossFit? Reebok, Dave Castro, you know, and these are people that are. You know, you talk about the the average member. It takes like what percentage of those people go on to the level one? They have to really care, mm-hmm. you know. And they didn't know any different, so it's tough. But you're right. Once it gets out into this major publication, now it's. I mean, I don't know. Did it? Did any of your members or even your opinions change when it went from like, this dude? Now everyone knows. Does does it change the fact that you still feel your box is inclusive? Like, what about him saying something racist makes you change the attitude of your box owner? Other than they're giving this guy $3,000 a 
a year? I'm yeah. asking. I really don't know because I'm not on that end either. Laron, what would you say? What's your thoughts? Because I, the reason I ask, I say that I ask Laron is how this happened in our box is we have like an internal server known as almost, it's called Discord, which is similar to Slack, right? Right. And the messages, I had to turn it off Saturday and Sunday. It was just too much. It was almost like similar to like Twitter. And there were like maybe about what, 10, 15, 20 people active on Discord that on Sunday. And it was almost like, dis, 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 and it was going back and forth. I just turned it off. Um, so it, it, it felt like, it felt like people, it was, people were, it was feeding, they were feeding on one another. Right? Well, I felt that too. I mean, yeah. Todd, Fern and I, I was like, I can't, we can't get us stop talking. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, and we're like, just really having a discourse about it. But yeah, I'm going to listen. But if I don't go to the bathroom, I'm not going to be able to pay attention anymore. <laughs> no, I'm going to listen and I'm going to mute my mic. So yeah. I don't hear no worries. Laron, what did you think? Um, well, what happens... Wait, can you hear me? This one yeah, is we barking. Can. Um, what wow. happened... Inch. Hey. <laughs> Maybe someone else. Go. I'll go in a minute. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of the chapters that I liked, or something he said in that chapter about uh, stay in your lane, mm. was he quoted uh, from, from the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, Stephen Covey. And, and he talked about uh, the circle of concern and the circle of influence. Yep. And I feel like people in general were getting really riled up and they just wanted to do anything. So it was like doing anything is better than doing nothing. And doing anything made everyone feel better. Even though in the grand scheme of things, that action has very little effect on the actual problem that's occurring. It's also an, I mean, it's also a more a facile way of, of, uh, well, do like sort of feeling like you're doing something uh, in, and I mean, I guess it's sort of local, right? But I mean, just give it sort of feeding, not just feeding off the, you know, the, the, the tweet, but then just everything with the last few weeks, right? It's like everyone is sort of is, their spines are kind of tingling, right? Because of all the George Floyd stuff and everything else sort of out there. It's like, then sort of when it hits home, it's, or it hits closer. Like, I think there's also a reaction like, like okay, now this is this is something I can influence, right? It's, it's been within my sphere, my sphere, my gym, um, and so maybe that was just you know it's kind of reflexive of just that this particular time. I think you know, yeah, I think the time really, maybe that was the reason behind the speed of everything because everyone was just on edge. Right. I think that was a big part of it. You know what stood out to me was actually the day afterwards our owner had a conference call and she spoke with us as coaches. And I would have actually preferred that we had that conversation before it was announced to, <laughs> to de-affiliate de to the members, but- Oh, uh, so it was after that? Yeah, we found out. Wow. You know, she posted it on Instagram and everything else. And then we found out 
and and, yeah, and again, you yeah, know, having been, been on that side, like right. sometimes to this day, like business decisions, I make them and then get mad at people below me for not knowing my what was in my head. Right, right. You know, and, and I've been there where it's like, oh, they know, you know. So we, on our coaching staff, we have a buddy of ours who's, um, he's an orthopedic surgeon. He's a um, resident. And, his and he's co- a coach at the box? Yeah. So you get paid a little more than you guys? <laughs> no, but he's good. <laughs> <laughs> orthopedic surgeon? Yeah. He'll tell you that he's poor. Well, he's got his level three. I mean, level three orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> so, uh, but I was struck by that call when we were on that Monday because I think he summarized it appropriate. He said, um, we went around and talked about what we felt. And he said he felt like he had regret for contributing to the mob, so to speak. Like on, like, and he said he was, he woke up the next day and he kept thinking, what did I do? It was almost like, and he said, I think his words were, he said, it's almost like I got drunk the night before and went out and did something stupid and came back and I was like, what did I do Ooh, <laughs> the next day? What did that text? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that and it just stood out to me because it was, it was that feeling like, wow, okay, what's next? What, you know, what's the next step? And I don't know about anyone else on a call, but I don't know if that's been figured out. It's like that, that decision was made, that path was made and it's, what's next it's looking into the abyss and some people are saying hey it's exciting and some people are saying it's not (laughs) so they wanted to go back to how it was before lockdown occurred so i don't know the way the way it went down in our box was um everything kind of started to happen and in our Coaches Slack, I wrote down, are we going to discuss the the big, the huge elephant in the room? And I think it was just like an hour or two after we see like on Instagram, we're de-affiliating. And I was like, what? Wait, what? Hold on. Let's discuss it first. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, I so I get that reaction from our owner. Like, I'm not saying there's a right and wrong. I totally understand it. But. I think we all like kind of felt like I wish like even just to know before it happens, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I can advise you or tell you how I feel about it and talk about it a little bit, but obviously it's, it's your decision, but we just would appreciate just like knowing what's going to happen before bombs are dropping. But, um, we haven't de-affiliated like technically yet. Like our affiliation is over in August and I talked to her actually today and she's like waiting. She's not de-affiliating. She's going to wait until uh, August. And I talked to her, what, what do you think about what's everything that's going on? And she's like, I like the, the direction it's going and I think it might be good, but let's, let's see. Like if by August things are going to get better and things are going to go the right direction, then she is going to renew it. If not, then she's not. And I think that's like what Brian said. We can't be mad at people for being in such a quick, you know, so quick to make a decision one way and then be mad that they're being prudent the other way. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's fair. And, you know, and, and another thing to all these people that were de-affiliating, they're not really de-affiliating. 
until their affiliate dues are due again. Right. Yeah. Right? Or unless they've emailed HQ and said, please remove me from, which they probably haven't. Mm -hmm. And they probably still own the URLs mm -hmm. to their web, you know, even if they change one thing. And so, you know, it's more, probably less people actually de-affiliated and more now just need to decide if they're going to renew again next year. Mm -hmm. so I think it's just yeah. a slightly different vantage point, but, and again, yeah. who, you know, we don't know. I think, I think we probably all need just to feel more confident in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. feel more confident, you know, in any decision we make. It's like when there's chaos, hey, it's the culture, right? There's mm -hmm. chaos up here. And it's trickling down through everything is what it feels like. So it's hard yeah. to know when that, when there's so much uncertainty out there, you know, focus on what you can control your Fran time, yeah. your, yeah. your, your, your eating habits right now. But, um. but as we were all talking about that, and I, my wife is going to beat me if I don't get off. Okay. As we were talking about that, I was thinking, wow, like we have just this diverse cross section of people right now, just, openly having a conversation about this it's probably more of what the world needs yeah yeah you know so i think that's cool and we're all united by this love of this fitness thing and i think uh, yeah. if we're all moving forward with that in mind we'll be fine yeah for sure so jason don't want to hold you up i know it's late for all of us so thank you so much thank you for the book yeah, thank you guys so much for reading. It really means a lot. You know, thank thank, thank you. you guys. And um, thank you. Thanks hopefully for, when for the, coming. When thank you. When we're we're allowed to travel again, hopefully Fern and I will make it out to San Francisco. Come My on through. Best yeah. best Chinatown ever is in, in San Francisco. <laughs> and I love dim sum. And I go oh, I go we after our honeymoon, on our honeymoon, I was like, we gotta go here. And then I just eat so much. That I'm that completely not functional the rest of the day, but I love it. I love it. So we'll be out there. We'll do. Amen. Thank you guys. Bye, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, Hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.